You're listening to The Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your host, former Prep Course Ops Superintendent and current Special Reconnaissance Training Guru, Trent Segmiller. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the team room. You're with Ones Ready, and we have a very special guest today, and we're going to get into that in just a minute. I know you're all going to be excited. It's going to, we're going to be talking about one of the things that we get a lot of questions about, You're going to, and we, we talk a lot of crap about, about you guys not being able to find the right resources. Um, so today, hopefully, we can answer all the questions that we get over and over and over again, and I'm not complaining because I love you all, and that, let's talk about that for a minute. Gratitude. Thanks, y'all, for listening. Thanks, y'all, for subscribing. Leave us all the great comments and all the great reviews. So now that that's out of the way, and I feel good about me, and I feel good about you, let's talk about our guest today. It's Lieutenant Colonel Steve Cooper. He is the commander of the 330th uh, Recruiting Squadron, and they are in charge of recruiting all of the Air Force Special Warfare people out there. So they're, they're the people going out there and finding the right people, helping you along the way, and getting you in the door. So without further ado, uh, sir, welcome to the podcast. If you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself a little bit. Sure. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, like you said, I'm Lieutenant Colonel Steve Cooper. I'm a career special tactics officer, current commander of the 330th Recruiting Squadron. Um, so like Trent said, we recruit for all of the special warfare uh, career fields, in uh, particularly the, uh, the enlisted career fields. So when we say special warfare, uh, I mean four career fields, combat control, pararescue, special reconnaissance, and tactical air control party. Uh, we also recruit for two of our, what we call combat support career fields, uh, EOD and our SEER Bubba's survival, evasion, resistance, and escape. Uh, I just came here uh, to San Antonio this past August to assume command. Uh, I gave up command of the 23rd Special Tactics Squadron where I was previously as the commander uh, for two years. Um, I recently came off uh, deployment as a task force commander there. Uh, awesome opportunity. And uh, I've served at every level below the squadron commander level in special tactics uh, thus far. So happy to be with you guys. And uh, over to you. Yeah, I just have one question before I hand it off. And that's uh, why was Silver Team the best team that you've ever been on? And best team. Ever. Why did that set up the rest of your career to be amazing? It's, uh, it's because Silver Team is always the best team. Uh, regardless of what <laughs> you may find yourself. Uh, no, it's funny. Uh, my so the I went to the twenty third STS after uh, completing the pipeline. Um, so when I went through, I uh, went through the combat control pipeline um, just after I commissioned in two thousand four. I got to the twenty third in two thousand six uh, as a new lieutenant, and I was assigned to Silver Team. I had an old crusty team sergeant. His name was Johnny Beals. Uh, he's pretty legendary within the combat control community. Um, but anyway, uh, all of us young, immature lieutenants, senior eminent staff sergeants were like, yes, silver team is the best. And Johnny Beals would walk out of his office and, uh, you'd hear the door slam against the wall every time he did it. And he's like, I've been on, I've been on lots of teams. None of them are the best team. You guys. <laughs> and I didn't understand that. Just, I was like, well, obviously he doesn't know what he's talking about, but now, unfortunately, uh, getting a little bit older, I've been on uh, more than a few teams, and uh, he, w he was right. But I uh, always remember what uh, Johnny Beals and the rest of my, my good uh, senior NCOs schooled into me. 
Yeah, we had a lot of good times back in the old uh, England SCS team over there, the good old silver team, trips to Wales, trips to... So if you guys aren't picking up on what uh, Trent was kind of throwing down there is Aaron and I, and uh, back then is Captain Cooper were on the same team, and we went on a bunch of trips together also, and uh, went on a lot of adventures throughout uh, all of Europe, basically, because we're stationed down there in England. And it was a great time. Um, obviously, we're all a lot younger and had less responsibility overall. So <laughs> we uh, could. <laughs> oh, that's, I think I'm actually older than CX, but that's fine. That's that's cool. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but still, we were all. That was like 10 years ago, almost now yeah. that we were so running around to, to even think about. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Those... It was that that long ago. Those were some some really good times. Uh, a lot of teachable moments, I guess you could say. But. Uh, <laughs> It's good that we're all still in the service. Uh, I guess that's one <laughs> absolutely thing after that. But, uh, we were joking with Colonel Allen. We're like, "What's the statute of limitations for these stories? <laughs> like, how many how many years ago should these stories have happened before you start telling like intimate details?" We all just decided we're like, "Pass." I don't yeah. know how long it is. We'll just pass. Suffice to say that we all found out what was a really bad place to go that limit, and then you know somewhere up there we did some good things too. But we found out where we shouldn't go, and we all survived. So. Um, besides that, um, I know, so you've been taking command and you've kind of, uh, feeling around figuring out what's, uh, your left and right is as far as how you're going to proceed with this whole thing. Um, and you're talking about when you joined and everything, how have you seen the process evolve since when you came in the air force and what you're seeing now for these future stows and crows and everyone else coming to the air force? Yeah, sure. Good question. So when I joined the air force, uh, and specifically uh, special tactics at the time, um, there was just one kind of um, half-hearted website and really you had to do a lot of digging. I was, I was fortunate. I commissioned out of the Air Force Academy and uh, I found out about combat control and special tactics or special tactics officers uh, during my second year there. Um, and so I was kind of funneled the, the right way to talk to the officers who ran that selection down at Herbert. Um, and we all kind of knew um, the, uh, the application process, but it was kind of like the good old boy system, if you will. Um, so now it is a lot more professionalized. Um, so I mentioned a little bit about the enlisted recruiting that we do. Uh, we do also recruit uh, STOs, special tactics officers, crows, combat rescue officers, and uh, TAC POs. Uh, tactical air control party officers. Um, primarily, we go after um, enlisted applicants, but we absolutely help all the officer candidates uh, as well. Right now, uh, professionally, our we are gold, or our mission is to get non-prior service um, enlisted uh, sessions into the Air Force. But we absolutely help out the um, the officer candidates, and um, if they ever want to know where to go or where to look. Uh, airforce.com there's two handy quick links right at the top uh, you can learn all about uh, the given careers or there's links to uh, find a recruiter and then you fill in a little bit of information about yourself and then based on where you are in the country it'll link you up with a recruiter nearby and also based on a little bit of the in information you put in there um, there is a an interest item that you can click if you are interested in the special warfare combat support careers in that case, they will vector you to one of our recruiters. Um, but even if you're not, um, whatever recruiter you might get vectored to, you can ask for an SW recruiter and they, they will hand you off. Um, our squadron is nationwide. We are just under 150 strong. 
Um, so we have multiple recruiters in every state. Um, we also have uh, multiple developers. Um, so developers are some of our contractors that help us out. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them are former operators. Uh, and they will help kind of mentally as well as physically prepare and test candidates before they actually enlist or uh, commission in the Air Force. Yeah. And uh, just kind of a more, I guess, uh, personal question on what you, you think about this whole recruiting thing, because I know um, like social media is a huge game and everything's changed as far as the way that you're recruiting. I know you mentioned the website and everything, but there are a lot of motivated recruiters out there that we've been talking to and they put their heart and soul into this. And they've, you know, a lot of them have never been operators. Obviously there's people like Chris Thomas that were, that are pararescue men and they're doing also some of the recruiting stuff. Um, what made you want to go into this realm and what do you see for the future? Because I know, like I said, there's just a ton of motivated individuals out there trying to get people on board. And uh, really, like, you know, we're, we're sitting here talking about all of our experiences and trying to replace all of us when we get out, because that's going to come probably sooner than we we'd like to admit. But uh, what makes you kind of lean forward on this and wanted to take the command of this recruiting squadron? Sure. Uh, so kind of a funny story. Um, I did not uh, volunteer for it, but not because I didn't want it. I just uh, really wasn't aware the squadron existed. Uh, during the latter part of my previous command at the 23rd, I was uh, deployed overseas. And uh, really, I was focused on, on that deployment. I did know I would have an impending assignment. Um, I was guessing it would be to the Pentagon. Uh, because everyone has to go there eventually, or maybe to um, SOCOM down at MacDill um, Air Force Base, because I've never uh, served at a staff, and typically that's that's one of the things that you have to do. Um, and I got a robo email uh, from AFPC, the, the personnel center that controls where everyone goes in the Air Force, uh, saying, congratulations, you're, you've become a recruiter. And I was like, well, clearly this is, this is incorrect. <laughs> I, that's my favorite way that anybody finds out about anything is by automated email from your <laughs> military personnel section. Anytime that you receive news like that, worst news you've ever gotten. I don't care what it is. You're you like, never hear a, you never hear like about bonus or like extra money you're entitled <laughs> to or something got fixed in your behalf and you benefited. That's not how they handle that. They only handle the worst news by automated email. It was definitely not the worst news by any means. Uh, just, it was unexpected. Um, but I, I linked up with uh, my group commander, so one echelon above the squadron. He confirmed it, um, and so I wanted to. When I found out about it, I wanted to learn everything I could about recruiting because I know a little bit about special operations, a little bit about the Air Force, but not so much about recruiting. Um, so I started reaching out to um, the three thirtieth. I also reached out to uh, a bunch of my peers at, at uh, combat operations units because I want to know what they care about and what they think would be valuable for young people. And then I want to learn a little bit about recruiting because I want to know the, the, the um, you know, essentially the core mission. I know there's a lot of sales um, culture in recruiting. Um, and, and that's kind of hard for some of the operators to hear because we don't want to necessarily sell someone something. We want them to want it. Um, but there are, is good tactics and strategy, particular in particular to marketing. Um, if you would ask a lot of Air Force folks, you know, what is pararescue, what is combat control, even within the Air Force, a lot of them couldn't tell you. So you look at the wow. civilian population. Yeah, that's, that's hit or miss. Yeah, with uh, a lot of what is, you know, what millennials and younger with 10-second attention spans, they're, they're just not going to know. So I wanted to take advantage of that. How can we get the name out there? What can we do? 
uh, type of a thing. Um, so it was good news for me because it keeps me kind of mentally sharp. It's something I've never done before. It's certainly a new challenge. Uh, we, we like uh, some of the other services, have trouble meeting our requirements for numbers of people. Um, what we won't do is sacrifice quality for quantity. Um, but what we have to do is uh, we have to get the brand out there, brand awareness um, first. And then once we kind of have a good base for that, like we have with Special Warfare now, um, keep promoting it, but also uh, attract people, attract talent, and let them know what the standards are. So that hopefully they can exceed them, use our developers in order to best prepare them to lower our attrition rate. Uh, again, not lowering it because we're making things easier, but we're better preparing a given applicant um, for what they're about to get into. Does that, that kind of capture everything? Yeah, hundred percent. That's that's exactly what I was going for there. And yeah, it's really hard for anybody to say like, we're trying to sell anything like that. We're really, um, actually the reason why we started this was because we had such awesome experiences, obviously with a lot of us who've worked together before and everything, and just, it's completely changed our life's life and help us evolve into the person that we are right now, you know, without our careers that we had had before, um, we wouldn't be the people we are. And I'm, I'm super appreciative and I'm sure all of us, you know, we're super appreciative for those experiences that we've been able to have. Um, so we don't want to sell anything to you guys. We want to tell you guys and show you this opportunity that's in front of you. Um, you know, so we can grow you guys and be better than we ever were. Um, so as far as, you know, future plans and other things that you're going to be doing, cause you know, the old thing was recruiters are going to slap a poster up in your high school, stand by, have a little session or whatever in their, uh, recruiting office. And hopefully someone stops by and does that kind of stuff. Are there any new, uh, future plans that you're kind of seeing as far as, uh, the evolution of social media, all that other stuff to try and help out with recruiting efforts? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. Uh, so, um, always try to, to see the positive in things. So obviously COVID, um, is a huge constraint right now. You, we don't necessarily have the, uh, historical access that we're used to to schools, um, particularly in person. Um, so it's forced us to kind of innovate and see how else we can, uh, meet mission. And so we do a lot in the digital marketing realm. Um, I'll go into that in just a bit. Um, we've also, I, when I first got to the squadron, um, I didn't want to make a whole lot of changes right up front. Uh, I wanted to see kind of what, you know, standard operating procedures were, how successful it was or wasn't. Um, and one thing I've noticed is that the squadron has done some amazing, uh, incredible things since it stood up in late 2017. Um, but our numbers, our numbers weren't increasing to the, the rate that we needed them to increase. Um, and so it's a kind of a multifactorial problem, but marketing is one of those factors. So as I look at it, you know, if we continue to do the same thing that we've, we've always done, um, we're, we're probably not going to see progress. Like we got to constantly change and evolve um, just like technology does, just like, um, you know, Google and Amazon and all those great civilian companies do. So we just had a, a marketing strategy meeting where we kind of uh, explored what's working for us, what's maybe not so uh, beneficial and, and kind of change some things up. Um, so in terms of digital marketing, uh, what I'm talking about there is putting content on YouTube, uh, that sort of thing, putting advertisements out there. Uh, we're able to, um, sometimes we can capture uh, if someone likes or shows interest in say outdoors, outdoor sports, uh, mountaineering, that sort of thing. 
and uh, we can we can you know legally show them or display content or or banners and things of that nature. Uh, additionally, we're exploring some new partnerships, um, not all of which are solidified, um, but not only to generate leads for us, so generate applicants, but also um, to to impact key influencers. And when I say influencers, I mean like parents, um, teachers, educators, people that are going to have impact in young folks' lives. Um, so uh, as a as an older guy now coming into a younger squad, and my marketers tell me, uh, you know, Facebook is for parents and Instagram is for kids. Um, and some of my marketers <laughs> that's, are really that's young, fresh out of college, which is super helpful because they know all of that and I, I don't necessarily do it. So uh, yeah, it's, it's that's outstanding. That's a, uh, well, I guess I have a kind of a, what came first, the chicken or the egg sort of thing here. So one of the new things that you, that you, you know, have been coming up with since the three thirtieth became its own squadron back in 2017 or, you know, since that time, um, is the, the specific af like aspect war recruiters, like no kidding. There's an entire program, the special operations recruiting pro uh, program. Let's talk a little bit about that. Cause that was a big move that we had. I mean, we didn't have it when I first got in the air force. And then as soon as I got kind of accustomed to it to be like, oh, it would make sense to have this person be specifically selected or specifically trained for this duty. I was like, oh, that's really intuitive. I can't believe it didn't exist. So was that part of the the way that you're changing up your marketing to go um, maybe in more like a, a direct fashion? Or was that just something that was uh, also happening at the same time? Yeah, great. Uh, great question. So. When the 330th stood up, they put a special tactics officer as the commander. Um, they gave him some senior enlisted leaders and they said, you know, go figure it out. Um, so they kind of kind of built the airplane in flight. Um, but they thought, you know, hey, uh, so all our given recruiters are from various backgrounds. We have guys in maintenance or that used to be in maintenance, fuel, security forces, you name it. Um, and they said, hey, it would be great to have um, operators or support folks from these career fields that we represent uh, to best tell the story, um, to show up at various events, to speak um, based on personal experience, share some stories about themselves or their teammates, uh, that sort of thing. Um, so it was, it was kind of a, a combination of an ask uh, from the recruiting service, the Air Force Recruiting Service, and a combination of uh, the aspect work community wanting to feed into the process because uh, recruiting is one of the most important things we do. If recruiting doesn't happen, the rest of the pipeline and the rest of the combat operations units, like it, it doesn't matter if we don't get our recruiting right. Uh, obviously, the, the unit was formed in late 17. Uh, we didn't have a focused effort on it. We weren't uh, meeting the numbers and the quality that we wanted. Attrition rates were kind of atrocious. And so they, you know, unity of effort, um, kind of a, a mantra there, and unity of command, kind of get one echelon or one entity to focus on the hard problem. Um, and I'll say it's been pretty successful. There's always room for improvement, um, but it's been very successful. Uh, even COVID aside, we're doing some pretty amazing things. And uh, we met our mission or our target numbers for the first time this, uh, this first quarter of the fiscal year since the unit um, stood up. Uh, Ooh, get it it's pretty incredible uh and that's all, a good one all of those kids uh met all the medical standards they passed our our physical test that you have to pass uh they didn't just just pass it one random time they also passed it um shortly uh before actually enlisting 
uh, or commissioning um, to ensure that we're sending quality candidates that are physically ready um, close to their, what we call their ship day. Um, so when they actually leave for the Air Force. So kind of doing that last minute quality control for the Air Force. Man, that is that is absolutely outstanding. Congratulations, sir. That's no that's no small feat. I know to the people that don't aren't really like the inside baseball of knowing what recruiting numbers and actually meeting your goal for the year and, and getting to that magical number. That's that's a big deal. So kudos to you. I know you guys, uh, you know, my time in and out of Kirtland, I spent a lot of time in and out of San Antonio and, and watching that stuff as well. And I was actually just back at Kirtland, um, you know, seeing, uh, seeing the family down in, uh, in Albuquerque for a little bit of leave, but, um, saw Jake Groves there. Jake is a, a beret wearing, he is now a recruiter out there. He's another silver team alumnus. Oh, Grizz. Um, Oh, Grizzle Bear. Uh, and we already mentioned, you know, you know, Chris before, um, but we actually have beret wearers that are inside of that program and actively recruiting now, right? Yeah, we sure do. So uh, with the exception of SEER, all of the career fields we recruit for are represented. Um, so we actually have a combat controller in our headquarters element that is a liaison to one of our operational wings. He kind of sets up different events for us, different training opportunities. Uh, kind of helps get the recruiters who haven't done much operational. It gets them kind of firsthand experience, um, but it's also opportunities for our applicants. Um, and then we have uh, combat controllers, pararescuemen, uh, TACP, special reconnaissance, and EOD recruiters out there um, doing the actual mission itself. So actually actively recruiting, um, but also we find they make a lot of money for us, so to speak, at uh, different events, whether it's a speaking engagement, um, whether it's like the uh, the upcoming Daytona 500 uh, to be out there to represent, um, to look a little bit different, maybe maybe um, not for the sake of looking different, but for the sake of like, hey, that's an attention grabber. Why is he wearing a different color hat? Let me ask him a question type of a thing. Um, we, we get a lot of uh, utility out of that. And then also uh, they're, they're pretty useful for um, demonstrations. We just had, uh, for example, we just had an EOD demonstration of uh, some of the robots that they have. Uh, right outside of our headquarters here at San Antonio, we brought uh, some of the high school kids just adjacent to us across the parking lot over. Um, so just things of that nature. But yes, uh, all of our career fields are represented. And even though we don't have any steer recruiters right now, we do have a liaison um, that hooks us up with events. And we are definitely tied into their uh, pipeline. I talked to... Um, their uh, wing commander that kind of controls their pipeline. I talk to him on a monthly basis to make sure we're getting him what he needs, uh, but also kind of getting some up-to-date information from them as well. And uh, we likely will have SEER recruiters here in the near future. Nice. What are some of the challenges that you're facing? Like what are those big rocks that are in front of you that you're like, man, you know, if I was king for a day or if I could just make this happen, I would make this problem go away. What are, what are you really concerned with? So, like I said before, COVID uh, certainly is is challenging to us, uh, though I would say just after Christmas and New Year's is the hardest time of the year to recruit. Uh, we have a very generous budget that the recruiting service gives us. Uh, it's difficult to execute it in the COVID environment, though. There's restrictions on where we can travel, uh, how many of us can travel. Um, I'll say the one thing that is, or one of the few things that is within our control is training um, we were blessed to um, get approved to be manned at 100%. Very few units in the military are actually manned at 100%. Um, higher headquarters thinks our mission is so important that we are one of the very few that will be manned at that level. Um, but because of that, a lot of our recruiters are new and they're in training status right now. Um, so our effort is to train our new guys so that later on down the road, 
um, you guys and girls, I should say. Uh, later on down the road, they'll be um, operating at full capacity and we'll be bringing in the quality and quantity required. Um, so I would say, I would say COVID because of logistics, I would say not as a complaint, just as something to note that a lot of our unit is new and undergoing training right now. Um, but uh, I hear the vaccine is rolling out. Always try to keep positive. And uh, we've got a lot of keep experience PMA, in the, keep it going. Uh, to be able to train up our young folks. Uh, that's one of the best parts, like create your replacements. You're only in a position for so long. Um, keeps me young doing that as well as uh, kind of training with our applicants when I get a chance. I feel like I'm strong, as strong and as fast as I've ever been, uh, but it takes so much longer to warm up and uh, to <laughs> <laughs> and to recover. <laughs> it take, takes you a little while. As good once as I ever was, but that recovery time was that's just that, killer. That's that beast right there, yeah. Want to do well, the bills with a weighted rope? Yeah, let's do it the next day, <laughs> but not tomorrow. Why do, I do that? Why? Why? Do that? Yeah, just, two days after that, you just hate your life. Just one time. So. The recruiters, so we have specialized recruiters, and I think you were talking about this a little bit. What kind of training do they go through? So if, if I know we're talking about getting people in the door, but if I'm a recruiter out there, like why would I want to be an AFSPEC war recruiter? Like what are, what are some of the perks? Sure. So um, all of our recruiters go through like the, the base recruiter course uh, that is at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio. Um, so regardless of where you end up, you go through that and you learn the um, seven mission critical tasks of recruiting. And then uh, in addition, that is a specialized process. Like you have to apply and be accepted based on your records and performance uh, in the Air Force. Um, and then you also garner uh, special duty pay or incentive pay, I should say, for being a recruiter, uh, which, is, which is pretty nice. Always like to add to the paycheck if you can. Um, some incentives for being a special warfare recruiter. So you get, if, if you don't come already from the special warfare combat support community, you get exposure to a lot of things that you would never have had exposure to. Um, so case in point, um, we have had the opportunity for some of our recruiters to do tandem jumps. Uh, so they are strapped to a jump master, skilled parachutist and get to jump out of an airplane. Um, we've had, uh, training events where we'll take them out to a live range, uh, for some close air support training and some crew serve weapons training. So essentially shooting machine guns, getting to talk to aircraft, telling them where to drop live ordnance and, uh, seeing a 500 pound piece of ordnance explode a thousand meters from your own position. That may sound like a, a long way away, uh, but it, it's, it's not. And uh, you can physically see that shockwave head from the explosion towards your direction. Like it's pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, if you've, especially if you've never uh, experienced anything like that before, um, and you get to learn a lot of the history and heritage at our training events. You get to learn. Um, we, you know, we we never forget those who uh, have fallen in combat, and we get to teach their stories. Uh, we get to teach a lot of the stories from um, our heroes and our, our folks that are recognized. Uh, at the Medal of Honor level, in the case of John Chapman, uh, the Air Force Cross and Silver Star recipients that we have, which are numerous. Um, and that way, like it not only motivates us, but when we talk to applicants and they ask, you know, what, what separates you from the other services? What makes you so special? Like it's very easy to tell them about how Zach Reiner received the Air Force Cross, not because he's some highly experienced senior NCO in combat. He was awarded that actually for actions in Afghanistan when he was a senior airman um, on his first rotation as a JTAC for 
after taking a, a round of the chest or a couple rounds to the chest plate and one through the thigh and was credited with saving his whole team um, off the side of a mountain in pretty heinous conditions. Like things like that, they motivate me. Um, I'm passionate about it and uh, it gets our applicants um, motivated as well. I could tell a thousand stories like that. Um, you know, double silver star recipients like Sean Harvell. Uh, it's, I could go, I could go on and on, but I'll, uh, I'll save it for the sake of time. No, no, it's awesome. I mean, I just, I just wanted to know because I know that the community is amazing and it's something we talk about all the time. And like, I don't want to keep going over like why we do what we do as well, but you're just, there's, there's so much goodness there that you want to get it out. Um, and so I got one more question about becoming a recruiter because, you know, Jared's not here. Is there like a height requirement if a uh, chief wanted to come over and be a recruiter for you? Uh, no height requirement to be a recruiter. Uh, <laughs> he's made it this far. I, I'm sure I could do a waiver or whatever's required to get him over here. <laughs> right. Oh, I love it. I love when Peach can't get on because it's just a it's just a, a straight savagery every I, single time. I almost feel bad when he's not here, but I get over it. <laughs> um, so, so one of the reasons I... I mentioned in the intro, we get a lot of questions over and over and over again about like, hey, how do I how do I get into Air Force Special Warfare? Who do I contact? And you mentioned uh, airforce.com. I just wanted to say it again out loud. That is fairly easy to find. And then the Instagram and then now YouTube. So like how far into the digital domain are we going? And um, is there anything that, that people out there can do to, to help you out? You know, if they're watching this right now and they want to, you know, push the message and help out a little bit, like wh- where do they go and, and how can they help us? Sure. So, um, yeah, like we both said, airforce.com and there's two quick links. They're right up front. It's easy. Find a recruiter or learn about careers. Um, and then also another website that is very helpful that we push to all of our applicants, um, is afswdev.com. So AF Alpha Fox SW Sierra Whiskey Dev is in development, dev.com. Um, so our, our applicants go to that website, um, for prescribed workouts. Uh, they go to that website to, to see what the standards are. They go to see proper form for a given exercise. Um, there's a lot of nutrition insight on there as well. Um, and we do it for the, you know, the, I'll say the average American. So nutrition on a budget, like is one of their, um, one of their links on there. Uh, so you don't have to make a whole lot of money to be able to, uh, to work out and to eat right. Um, and uh, the pass test require, like, you don't have to have a gym to pass a pass test. Um, you do have to have the ability to swim, um, whether that's in a pool, lake, ocean, what have you. But uh, you can do pull-ups on a tree. You can do push-ups in your backyard. And you can run uh, wherever there's ground. So um, you don't have to have a whole lot of money to, to be in our, our, uh, our business. Um, and that's important for a lot of our uh, a lot of our propensed uh, youth out there to know, but AFSW dev and then um, the aim high app. So you can get that off the app store or wherever you get your apps aim high. Uh, That's just essentially another link to the air force. You can have it on your phone. I have it on mine Um, and it will link you to AFSW dev. It'll link you to airforce.com. It'll link you to your recruiter. Um, It's just a handy piece of kit. Um, It's, I like to be able to get on a given applicant's phone, um, especially especially uh, not that we solely recruit um, just from high school or like recent graduates. We have a lot of uh, older candidates or applicants as well, um, some with college experience, just some with uh, life experience out in the workforce. Um, but everyone is on their phone almost all the time. People may not have a computer or a tablet, but everyone has a phone. So I like to technology to, to be there. So Aim High app, highly recommend it. 
uh, especially for the influencers, a parent can show it to a, a kid, teacher, or uh, what have you. So along the uh, the pool training, because we've been getting this question a lot, um, so a lot of guys have pools that are closed down right now with the recruiting thing going on. And I'm sure that you have received this question, or at least you've discussed it and how this is going to go forward. So for all those guys that are listening out there and training or their pools closed, that kind of thing, um, are you still expecting day one, 500 meter or 1500 meter for them to be able to swim, do water con, all that kind of stuff? What do they, what should they expect or train for if their pool is shut down? Good question. Yeah, that's affecting a large, um, a large portion of the country right now. We certainly understand that. Don't let it deter you. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, don't quit. Focus on what you can control. You can't control necessarily if you have access to a pool or not. Uh, the, the special warfare training wing understands that. Uh, I talk with them every week. Um, in terms of the expectations, I don't want to speak for the training wing, but the kind of mantra both them and we have is we would rather have you as part of our air force than, than just floundering out there waiting on a pool to open or close. Like we can teach someone to swim. We can teach someone to hold their breath. We can teach someone proper technique. We would rather have them where we can control their diet in a positive way. We can make sure people are getting sleep, uh, that sort of thing. So don't let it deter you. Um, focus on what you can control. A lot of swimming is uh, cardio and there are some substitutes and if you would go to AFSW Dev, uh, there might be an article or two on how, how to get better in the pool uh, if you don't have access to one, different exercises, different techniques, and things that you can do. Awesome. Yeah, I just still wanted to address that. And I also have a blog up on howtobepj.com um, if you guys want to go check that one out as well. So a couple different thoughts, but I think it's spot on as far as what people should be doing. You know, we can't put our life on hold forever. We don't know what is going to happen, but one thing is for sure that we still need people that are going to go and be willing to go down range and, uh, you know, take care of the mission. Um, we can't continue to stop because people are like us are eventually, eventually going to get out of the air force. Um, and we need people to replace us and do the jobs that we are doing. Yeah, so just to be, um, just to be, uh, completely upfront, like we have processed applicants that, that weren't able to swim for like the past six months. So it, it has happened. Um, and they have been successful. So don't let it stop you. Um, it's just one of, of many challenges that you'll face, but don't, don't let a pool closer um, deter you. There's never, there is never a perfect time to enlist. There is never a perfect time to commission or go through the pipeline. Um, if you're waiting on that perfect time, if I can just do this, if I could just finish this or that, like just do it. Uh, you won't regret it. I guarantee you. No one says, man, that PJ career was horrible or <laughs> should have never been yeah. a combat control. Like no one said, I should, I no should never time, just do it. Like <laughs> it's hard and it should be hard. Any, most things in life that are, that you have to achieve are, are hard, but they're all worth it. Um, I, so I am six, three, uh, like one ninety five. When I went through, I was the same height and like one forty five, soaking wet. And I thought, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but I'm going to make them tell me no. And uh, I don't know why, but they never told me no. Like (laughs) on this train for as long as it's going and uh, I have zero regrets. Um, Just, just do it and just, just pull the trigger and, uh, and get after it. Yeah. I think that's pretty hard for, um, you know, 
to think what why what specifically made me jump over the ledge and pretty much there's no coming back once you're done and you enter this realm you're just like all right let's go for it and uh it is a little bit scary i guess for some of those guys that are um thinking about doing that but yeah it's 100 percent worth it and like i said it's made us into the people that we are today and you know, we just keep on pushing and pushing and it's hundred percent worth it. So, um, as far as other things that you're seeing from candidates, uh, that maybe they should have fixed before they came in or fixed before they, uh, you know, showed up on your door. Do you see any common mistakes from other candidates? Like maybe they got uh, surgery or something before, or, uh, especially eye surgery. I know there's, that's a huge topic that we always get questions about, uh, any other mistakes you see from candidates? Yeah, sure. Good question. Uh, so, um, in terms of the physical preparedness, just showing up, like it's, it's no secret what the, what the form is for a given exercise. Um, so, so go on AFSW dev, ask your recruiter, don't rely on your buddy who's not in the air force, um, get it from a professional. So you show up knowing the exact standard and what the form is. Um, so you, you can do your best and that's, that's just one less thing you have to think about. Um, in terms of medical standards, yeah, you're right. There's, there's some of the things that'll, that'll get an applicant. So, um, once you start the process with a recruiter, uh, be fully transparent with what your intentions are medically, like eye surgery. You can you can uh, process having had eye surgery in the past, but if you decide to get it and you're on short final towards enlistment or commissioning, um, that is likely a no-go. Um, so any medical procedures or any medications, like be completely upfront and, and do that before any of that happens so that you can know um, if that'll affect your status or not. That's, that was a good, um, good question you had, Brian. Um, and I'll say the, the third one is just what we were talking about. Like, ah, you know what? I just need a couple more months to prepare. Like if you, if you meet the standards, um, life will always get in the way. Uh, just do it. Um, you, you would, you would kind of rhetorically ask, you know, why any of us did it in the past. The reason I did it, uh, was because of the people. So I mentioned I commissioned out of the Air Force Academy. Um, I, I did really well physically and militarily, uh, but not so well scholastically. Um, I, I graduated by the skin of my teeth out of that place, um, and, and I'm glad I did graduate and, and I stuck with it. But when I went through some of the selection programs there um, and I saw the determination and the teamwork and the camaraderie that those people had, I was like, yes, this is exactly who I want to be with. Um, I don't necessarily want to nerd out with the chemists and scientists in the library or the lab. Uh, <laughs> the power nerds. I'd rather hang out with the bros over here. They seem like they're having a better time. Yeah. So I, I would say it's the people like when you look back at things, no one cares what kind of building you were in or what kind of vehicle you drove. You care about the people that you serve with. So it was definitely the people. Uh, some of my best friends, uh, almost all of my best friends um, were uh, are in the aspect work community or were at one point. Absolutely. Um, so last question that I'll hand it over to Aaron. Uh, so as far as you being the, the commander of the recruiting squadron, if you had a Lego, basically like a Lego man, you can put together the optimal spec warfare candidate. Um, I know this is kind of a loaded question, but um, what would you do as far as their background? Like the guy, he wrestled, he was a swimmer, he ran cross country, he played football, captain of the team, he's a great at public speaking, and then in addition to that, got all straight A's or scored a 90 or, you know, what, what would that look like as far as the person, maybe external stuff and then also like internally, obviously they have to have integrity and all that other stuff, 
But uh, what what can things got? What should guys be working on to become the optimal candidate? Yeah, thanks. Um, so I, I don't care if you've wrestled. I don't care if you're not good at ball sports. Uh, I care that the people need black and white answers. You have to give them the <laughs> answer, or it's not going to be good enough. Listen, we've been doing this for a year, sir. We try to answer everything as intellectually honestly as we possibly can, and people are still like, "All right, but seriously, what do you guys do if you're not deployed? What do you do day to day at the unit?" It doesn't matter how many times. So I can't wait to hear this answer. It's going to be great. No, I. Uh, it all starts with attitude. Um, it's one of the few things that we can control in life. Uh, attitude. So you might as well have a good one, um, and you might as well have a no quit attitude. Um, the uh, you know, no one can make you quit or stop doing what you're doing except for you. Um, you're the only one that can ring the bell or raise your hand or say, I quit. Uh, and we, we want the antithesis of that. Um, I want someone who's humble. Uh, there is always going to be someone bigger, faster, and stronger, or that can make you tap or what have you. Uh, just be humble and try to be the best you can. There is no, there's no perfect operator. All of us have our flaws. There's no perfect background. Um, so many of these podcasts, um, not you guys, of course, but uh, of course, everyone, no, you know, total type A personality. Everyone lifts weights. No one runs anymore. Like none of that is true. I, I hate that. Um, I am not a type A personality. Uh, we have all, all sorts and we need all sorts. Um, I think Admiral McCraven is a, a well-documented introvert, in fact. Um, and, uh, in the open source, you can read, he's a, he's a Democrat. Um, obviously we have a lot of conservatives in, in special warfare, uh, across the services. So just goes to show you, like, there's no, there's no cookie cutter mold, uh, nor should there be because you risk group think, um, you risk, uh, a lot of, um, uncertainty and kind of negative things that can happen if you're all the same and come from the same backgrounds we have. Kids who came from wealth, kids who came from nothing, um, some with some advanced academics behind them, some with just a GED or high school grad. Um, but it all starts with attitude. You do have to be physically tough, uh, but know that your mind can take you a whole lot farther than, than your body physically can, um, and that maybe you thought you could go. Um, and just someone who is a, uh, a quick study and genuinely wants to learn. Um, there's a lot to learn in our career fields, uh, whether it's trauma medicine, um, extrication, infil uh, infiltration techniques, parachuting, scuba diving, uh, close air support, programming radios. Like there's a lot, but it's all fun, and uh, it's I can't I can't recommend it enough. Um, but it all starts with attitude. Like if you are an applicant and your recruiter is having uh, a mock PT test or he's having a, a depth call, a delayed enlistment processing call, like you got to show up. You got to show that you're serious and that you, you, this is what you want. Um, or, or even if you can't, maybe you have a job commitment, at least communicate with them um, so that they know that you are serious. Um, but there's no, there's no cookie cutter background. Um, not everyone has the same opportunities and we certainly understand that, but we care that you, you have grit, um, that you're not going to quit and you have a good attitude. Um, there's a lot of uncertain things out there, but just control what you can control and take it one event at a time. Um, there are going to be some long days, long nights. Just, man, if you can get through lunch, all right. 
<laughs> this radio class, all right? Well, this- I got some bad news for everybody. It, it doesn't stop there in the pipeline. Like it sounded like you were just describing your week at work, sir. Like you're not going to you're not going to get lunch today. Maybe you'll maybe you'll get there to that time, but you're going to have to like shovel food in your mouth, like reading emails sitting at your desk because you don't have time to actually go somewhere. So, I mean, it, it does never stop. And I feel the same. You were, you were talking just now. And I'm just like, wow, I need, that's what I need to do to get through my day of work too, is like knock down my five meter target, show up, make sure you're there, like the basics, show up on time with something to write with, something to write on and be in the right uniform. And yeah. don't let anybody ask, hey, where's where's Aaron right now? We're supposed to start in two minutes. He's not here, you know? So um, there are some pretty big leadership challenges for you as you try to like manage, like you said in the beginning of the podcast, you're spread nationwide. The 3.30 is spread out throughout the entire nation. Add COVID on top of that. Add some other things, some other challenges that you've had. What are the what are the big challenges you guys are facing as an organization at the 3.30? Yeah, so um, we are, I said, uh, we are 100, 150 strong, so 150 folks in the unit. Um, but we are spread across uh, just over 80 locations now. And so some of the challenges are logistics. Um some of the challenges are people feeling isolated because we we haven't been able to um, travel and, and see each other um, like we would outside of a COVID environment. Um, other other challenges are how to um, effectively communicate in that type of setup. Um, so I uh, I read um, James Mattis's book, our former Secretary of Defense, Call Sign Chaos is the uh, title of it, and he warns against. Um, technology and, and kind of overusing it and appearing omniscient. Um, so I don't, you know, the, the common uh, theme I get from a lot of, especially younger folks are, man, I'm zoomed out. You had <laughs> yeah. today. So anytime mm-hmm. we're going to have a virtual get together or something like that, like there's got to be a purpose and an end state to that meeting. Um, otherwise let's not have it because everybody's busy and no one has more time than anybody else. Uh, it's our most valuable commodity. Uh, and then like, I really, especially as a commander, I try to pay attention to what I focus on. Um, a lot of things are important, but I want to focus on the things that only a commander can affect and positively influence. Um, so if it's like some random, you know, standard or, or something I get sent, that's just not, uh, maybe not, um, shouldn't come from a commander. I'm not trying to sound pompous, but I want like communication from me to be powerful and meaningful. Um, so maybe that goes to the first sergeant or, or the ops chief or something like that. I want to focus on only the things that I can positively affect at like the strategic or operational level um, and solve other things at the lowest level possible, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. And it, it I can hear it transferring over, you know, all the way down. We do have people that are in that are active duty that listen to the podcast and people that are getting ready to come in. They're going to face their leadership challenges as well. And I hope that they can hear like one of the, you know, the challenges that you face is, is like only put your energy towards something you can actually affect. And we talked about that on a podcast we had, you know, a couple of days ago about leadership. We just said, Hey, you don't need to engage every single time. Sometimes the best thing you can do is actually not do anything. It's just hold you, hold that input. Let the boys figure it out. The boys and girls, let them figure it out on their own. If you have a small correction to give at the end, that's your prerogative as the man. But sometimes what you can do is you can just go, y'all need to figure this out you know what my standards are, you know what my guidance and intents are. So make it happen. Yeah, so. definitely. If, if you have solid commander's intent, they take that and run with it. Um, uh, in fact, we just had an issue where a lot of our recruiters uh, weren't doing something that they needed to do. I went on a really long run. It was about an hour. It was fast, super fast. 
super fast. I bet it did not <laughs> go like, over five minutes a mile, did it, sir? No, you were just a nice, easy pace, a nice, easy CX pace. Yeah, I didn't time it, but if I had, it would have been fast. <laughs> uh, but I just used it as you know time to think uh, about about that and uh, some other challenges, and and uh, I came up with like a half a dozen solutions, and I hadn't even turned the first corner, and I'm like. What you know? What am I doing? And I just thought of a really effective flight chief that we have. So um, one of our master sergeants, super talented, and I'm like, that guy turned his flight around. So one echelon below the squadron level, because um, they weren't doing so well. And when he got there, he turned that sucker around. I'm like, that guy knows something about change management. Maybe he can do this. Uh, it will come from him, and so it'll create some buy-in from the squadron. Gave it to him. What do you know? He had a better idea than all six of my ideas combined. So. <laughs> Yeah, trust your people um, and solve things at a lower level if you can. Right. Well, and here's the real where the rubber meets the road because there's always got to be a call to action, right? Like you can't just say swipe up. You have to have a swipe up button. No big deal. It's an Instagram hack for you. But what what can we on the active duty side, what can we do to help you get off, get after some of those challenges? Like what can we do from, you know, not only here in the team room with the Ones Ready podcast, but man, if, if guys are in, what can we do to actually support this? Because it really does help the entire force. Like the recruiting squadron should get most of the thrust because if we don't produce those numbers from your end, we're never going to have people to graduate from whatever pipeline. Yeah, great question. Uh, so I think um, it, it's on the operational units a little bit, but also on us a little bit to educate. Um, and so knowing the, the, the newest terminology or lingo, if you will, um, will be super helpful. So um, whether uh, an applicant or a prospect is interested in combat control, pararescue, or any given career field, um, if you're interested in one of the four special warfare career fields, uh, you will come in as a special warfare applicant or SWOE, SWOEV. Um, what that means is special warfare operator enlistment, and then the V stands for vectoring, meaning uh, after you go through the preparatory course after basic military training, based on your performance uh, based on how well you board and based on the needs of the Air Force, you will get vectored toward a given career uh, career field. Um, and so um, while while it's not um, it's not a given that you know if if you perform well and you want to go pararescue that you'll get pararescue, um, we can't promise anything. Anyone that goes throwing around promises, like give them a second look. Um, but we can promise that that it is an equitable process. Uh, and that the senior leaders, both officers and enlisted to chair those boards, like they think really hard because they're about to affect someone's life in a major way. Uh, regardless, all of the career fields are incredible. Um, they're all great opportunities. We all work together uh, at the at the units um, within the Air Force. Um, and uh, it's it's so SWOE, that's, that's some of the common terminology. 9 Tango 500 is the specific um, AFSC or the career field identifier. Um, and then for the for the ops guys, kind of um, check your emotions at the door. There's a lot of passion and emotion be- behind, you know, what color beret you wear, what badge is on your chest. Uh, Got to be careful about those different color berets, sir. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's not it's a land rabbit trail. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the Major General Thomas, so the, um, the recruiting service commander uh, came to us and he's like, man, what's, what's a couple things I could do for you guys? And uh, one of them, um, I said, and I couldn't believe I was saying it because I used to be not passionate, but emotional, like immature, uh, emotional about what color hat I wore and what what was on my chest. And I said, you know, I don't care if it's a, a beret color, a beret flash, or a patch. 
but I just want something that unites all of these career fields because if you if you go to nav spec war and you see a trident, oh, that's a seal. You know what a seal does, direct action, special reconnaissance with a maritime flavor. If you see a green beret, oh, that's a special forces operator. He does foreign internal defense and unconventional warfare. Um, it doesn't matter, like they don't parse it out or, oh, but I'm an 18 alpha or I'm an 18 bravo. Like they, they those of course exist, um, but they're, they're special forces guys first. Um, I think that's a really healthy culture that they have and something that um, we should kind of um, strive to professionally emulate as well. Uh, the Air Force is known for being a bit tribal. You have your aviators and even amongst aviators, your rotor wing guys, your pointy nose fighter guys. Um, if you ask an airman what he does, he'll probably tell you what career field. Um, you guys know this. If you ask a Marine what he does or she does, they'll tell you I'm a Marine. Um, so I think check in a little bit of your tribalism and emotions at the door. We should do whatever is best for, for the greater good. Um, and so whether, you know, a, a new beret color comes out, a flash, a patch, whatever it is, like, man, get on board. Know that people just didn't think that up in some dark room at the basement of the Pentagon. Like a lot of thought went behind that. Um, <laughs> Although it might have happened in a basement in the Pentagon. <laughs> the, the location's not important, guys. Don't focus on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Aaron. Uh, uh, no, a lot like I, I don't care what it is. I just want something identifiable. So when I go up to some 18-year-old on his phone who has a 10-second attention span, I can talk about special warfare, and I don't have to list off the six career fields that we recruit for. Um, it just makes brand awareness and telling the story a bit easier, therefore recruiting a bit easier, and we feed the combat ops units a higher quality candidate. I think that's so important. I know that's something that we cover here all the time. Uh, it's it, If you stay in long enough, we all do the same basic things. You know, we shoot, move, communicate, jump out of planes and all that other stuff. But like one of the things about, about our podcast is we're all, all the flavors are here, you know, minus the tack piece. For some reason, they didn't want to, you know, jump on the, the social media campaign. But it was mostly technological. They're, they weren't allowed to be like super mad about stuff. So they were like, no, I'm out, dude. <laughs> it's either all rage or nothing. <laughs> well, we tried to record one and he actually smashed his laptop. But anyway... But you know what I mean? We all, we all play in the same arena. We all do the same things. And so I think it's important to see them, uh, for people to see us, you know, getting along, talking about our shared experiences and Air Force Special Warfare as a whole. Um, but coming off of that, that's just my rant. Um, what are, what's the coolest thing you've, you've been able to do, sir, as a, as a recruiter, like event-wise? Uh, I know you guys are at NASCAR a lot and the UFC, and you all have like a, a kind of a bond. What's the, the coolest thing you've been able to do so far? Ah, that's a, a really good question. Kind of a tough one too. Um, cause, cause because of COVID, we haven't been able to do a lot of the things that we normally would, but I'll say, um, I'll say two things. Um, one is with our applicants. So not yet, uh, enlisted or commissioned, um, hopefuls. Um, I was out there and, uh, I did a workout with them. And then I did a, uh, a past uh, physical abilities and stamina test with them. So like our kind of initial um, physical gateway. Um, and uh, I smoked all of them, but one on the run. And it's not to like sound pompous or arrogant. But I run so fast. <laughs> but I, uh, look, look how fast I am. I care about it because, you, you know, it is, it is good and effective to lead from the front. Uh, I told all those kids like, hey, man. I am pushing 40 years old. Like you guys got to step it up. Um, and they're all like, holy, sh uh, 
man, <laughs> years old. Uh, we do have this Holy cow. Um, but I was like, Hey, it's not because I'm some gifted athlete or, or I come from a, you know, a great genetic pedigree. It's because I have a but little bit does. of experience. <laughs> no, not really start does. out my three mile at my hundred meter sprint pace. It's because I know some good techniques uh, which I was able to later um, help them out with during the workout. So that was cool. And while I was doing that, I got to tell some of the Zach Reiner stories, some of the Sean Harvell stories, Ivan Ruiz, et cetera. Um, so that, that was, that was really cool because there weren't, you know, we didn't shoot any guns. We didn't blow up anything, but I was influencing some young people and uh, showing them, you know, hopefully a, a good example. Um, so that was really cool. And then um, I'll, I'll be a little bit vague about this, but like one of our uh, NCOs, he was kind of in a bad way um, and I was able to uh, get him some help really late at night. Um, and, uh, you know, I was, I was super tired. I'd been up for a while, but uh, it, was, it was definitely worth it. It's what I'm here for. Um, anybody needs my help, I'm going to help them. And uh, I got him some help and he's still with us, still recruiting. And uh, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. Those are super awesome stories because, you know, a lot of people would say, you know, in that previous job, all you see is the social media stuff and, you know, people out at events and they're doing Daytona 500, they're doing the Spartan races and all that stuff. And that's what people see. But the most important things and the most impactful things that you're going to keep with you are the relationships that you've had and the ways that you've been able to affect other people's lives or they've affected you because of the opportunities that you've been given to help them out versus, you know, another person that's just doing whatever other job off the street. But yeah, that's super important to realize that, like you said before, the whole reason that we're doing this is because of the team and to make sure that we have those individuals that really take this stuff to heart and go all in with the, their heart and soul to make sure that the mission is executed to the best of their abilities and their team is taken care of. And that's, that's all we could ask for in a person. Um, so I want to ask, you know, we always ask this typical question, well, two typical questions is when should we, when should a person contact a recruiter if they're thinking about joining? So I'll let you answer that one real quick first, since you're in charge of the recruiting squadron. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy. As soon as you think about joining. Uh, <laughs> All right. Just want to make sure like, we're on the same page. Yeah. It's still not going to be good enough. We've still asked. Not be good enough, sir. But what time of day? People. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's what? 7 p.m. What do you do if you're not deployed? Yeah, so uh, <laughs> there, um, I, I, uh, it's different for each recruiter based on the time zone. So we cover, we cover six different time zones. Um, but as soon as you get put in touch with a actual physical recruiter, um, he'll give you his business hours. Uh, we are pretty excellent teammates. So even if you contact that person outside of business hours, he's probably going to help you out. If you contact him at two in the morning and it's not an emergency, he's probably or she's probably going to be a little bit upset. Uh, just some common courtesy. Um, you know, we don't need advanced degrees to, to figure that out. Just some common courtesy. But they'll give you their business hours. Um, and, and, you know, if it's just outside of that, I bet you they'll help you out. Nice. Just want to make sure we're still on the same page and we're still giving out the right info directly from the recruiting squadron commander's mouth. Contact a recruiter when you're interested yep. in being recruited to a recruiter <laughs> go to airforce.com um all right and then the last question is uh you know obviously like you're we talking about we have a lot of different people from different backgrounds um and they're just trying to make their way up and be successful at this thing so it would be you know if you can kind of bottle up all your experience and other things that you've seen people be successful 
what would you, what advice would you give to a person to be successful at this career field at selection and, you know, throughout their career? Yeah, good question. Um, so I always remember uh, Master Sergeant Bo Bollinger. He actually retired as a Chief Master Sergeant later on, but he was a Master Sergeant when I went through combat control school. Um, and uh, he he would uh, he, he was pretty pretty hard nosed instructor, but um, he would always get on people that he saw being kind of selfish and not helping out their buddy. Um, and he got into us one morning and it was, it was one of the worst mornings at CCS, but he said, man, you should be jumping through your backside to help everybody out. And so the next morning, like you saw a bunch of kids running around, like with a camouflage top on, but they hadn't yet put their pants on and they're helping each other pack rucks. And he walks in there and he's like, what are you, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and they're like, we're, we're helping each other out. And he's like, oh, put some pants on but where I'm going with this awkward my funny story is um when you start worrying about your teammates uh you start forgetting about how much it sucks and how much pain you are in and all the things that are imperfect in your life uh because you're focusing on other people um, that's worked for me personally um sometimes i didn't even realize that that i was doing it um i know it's worked for all of my teammates uh i would say that like worry about your buddies like help a, help a brother or help a sister out like help them get through it cadre are going to see that like you can't fake who you are um we can spot the fakes pretty easy don't try to fake your personality that's not that hard we can see that a mile away there spotlight ranger yeah but uh just just try to help each other out um take what the cadre say at face value um so if something's an individual event then do your best uh but eventually you are going to complete it and there's nothing saying that you can't go back and help your buddy out um so just always try to be helping your teammates out and focus on that. And you will be less worried about, you know, how, how thirsty you are, how hungry you are, how hurt you are. Uh, that would be top advice for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important. I think we said in a couple of different podcasts, if you're sitting on the side of the gunnel ready to do 10 ups and you're sitting there thinking about how much your chest hurts, how much you want to breathe, how tired your shoulders are because you're in the push up position and, you know, thinking about yourself and your pain cave, and you're not thinking about your team, that's when you're going to quit. It's when those people are looking to the left and right and making sure their buddies are okay and they're taking care of them, motivating each other, that those are the guys that are going to make it through and not only in selection but the rest of life too because life is not an individual event. It is a team event throughout the rest of your life. You know, you're going to have to deal with people, and that's really what makes us um, – the person that we are end up becoming if you stay a recluse and you don't end up wanting to work together with other people then you end up you know staying at the same level that you were it's being around that team environment that makes you be more successful and become the person uh that next level of person that you want to be because like we've said before we always want to hang around those people that are more successful than us and we get things i've learned so much from just you know talking on these podcasts to aaron trent peach and all the other guests that we've had on you know all these successful people that um you know make me up my game and i think it's just a common thing within our community like you were talking about before just to go over some of that stuff is we get so many different people from different areas of life walks of life you know a person that came straight off the streets and they had nothing 
can have so much more grit and heart. But then on the other side of the coin, we have a person on the same team that's coming from some kind of uh, like Dartmouth or Harvard or whatever, or maybe a professional athlete. And they're just super awesome at another thing. So, you know, I guess I wasn't really good at anything. <laughs> so Mike gl- Gloria is going to be so mad at you for saying Dartmouth. <laughs> I cannot wait. I'm going to text him immediately when we get off here and we like, guess what was brought up as like the number one silver spoon college on the East coast. Yeah. You mean, Dartmouth. you mean Dr. Mar- Mike Gloria, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Michael. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so we get these people on every this residency yet. Let's not let's not give him too much. Okay. Right. He's still a doctor uh, candidate. Two quick stories. I promise I'll be quick. While Brian's on that that train of thought. So, sorry, you're talking about being a good teammate. Uh, I remember distinctly Stowe selection. It was some heinous hour in the morning. The sun wasn't up, and you mentioned being on the gunnel on the side of a pool. And so our backs were to the pool. Um, I had a snorkel in my mouth and, uh, I, I, I knew I wasn't going to quit, but I, I was not in a good mental state. And, uh, one of my buddies just kind of elbows me. It was a really serious time of the selection. He's like, dude, you have something gross hanging from your nose. I'm like, what? Who cares? (laughs) Who cares? I'm dying here. Can you leave me alone? And he just kept on it. And I started laughing. I'm like, ah, you know, this isn't so bad. And then uh, another time where that was super helpful, that kind of logic was uh, I went through a, a training process for a unit in North Carolina. One of our instructors um, had lived a large part of his life in New Zealand. Um, and so he, he, he had a, a really thick accent and um, he's really old too, super experienced uh, combat decorated vet. And uh, so one of our academic classes, he, he, yelled, he we're trying to teach like current history, like current tactics in Afghanistan, what's going on in Iraq right now, how are we employing air to ground munitions, what type of uh, employment methods, et cetera. And then he turns around to us, he's like, oi, who's here been to Bosnia? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're looking at each other, we're like, what were you, 10, 12, 13 years old? <laughs> and so we were... Uh, a couple of weeks later, we were going through our first night live fire CQB, uh, close quarters battle. Um, so live bullets coming out of a gun in close quarters. It can be dangerous if you're not uh, trained properly, or even if you are, you, you got to be on your game when you do something like that. So we're all stacked up outside. It's pitch black out. We're under NVGs. And everyone's kind of amped, a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, not only do you have to prosecute your target or targets, but you're also going to get you you get graded, you get graded doing everything. You get graded on how you walk to lunch and, uh, everyone's just super nervous. I'm like, this is something's gotta, we gotta do something here. And, uh, I just, we're, it's about to, uh, be go time and we're about to breach the door. And, uh, I just let out a quick, boy, who's been to Bosnia? And everyone just <laughs> kind of chuckles and like, okay, let's, let's do this. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Yeah. And that's the super important thing is obviously you get into this zone where you're just like your heart rates up and you're like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then someone just like snaps you out of it. And you're like, what, what are you talking? I'm focusing on this right now. I guess it is still going to happen, but I'm busy trying to like work myself into a frothy lather over here. And you're trying to interrupt me with fun sounds. Like you can leave me alone. (laughs) Let me be worried. I'm, I'm busy being anxious. My guy, don't make me laugh. Yeah. And that kind of stuff gets people through that little hump and like, okay, this is going to happen, but we can have fun with it because no matter what, we're going to be here and suffer through it anyway. So might as well enjoy a little, a little slice of it while we can. So yeah, I think that's super important to, uh, 
also throw into your tool bag once things get hard. Just remember that, you know, you're going to suffer through it anyway. So try and make a little bit of fun out of it. Um, so you guys have any last inputs or questions or anything before I wrap it up? No, sir. Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I learned you need to put your pants on before you help your buddy. That was amazing. Priorities. <laughs> All right, one more quick story. Uh, it was a nighttime, um, hey-ho, high-altitude, high-opening jump. People were nervous, going to get graded on that too. And uh, my buddy Sal, uh, we're just kind of kind of sitting there freezing in the airplane. And uh, he's like, hey, man, you, uh, you could be in a comm squadron typing on a computer right now. And I was like, not so nervous anymore. Well, maybe just fair enough. Hey, no offense to you comms folks. We absolutely, (laughs) but, uh, I would rather personally jump out of airplanes. Uh, and then we got to the ground. I'm like, Sal, that was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. We like floated 18 clicks to this drop zone in the middle of nowhere. Have you ever done anything that cool? He's like, well, there was this one time I saved a Marine's life in Afghanistan. I was like, all right, I'll just pack up. You know what? Never mind. I shouldn't have asked you anyway. (laughs) We, we should keep talking about PowerPoint. F you Sal. (laughs) <laughs> anyway thanks very much for having me on uh you guys know where to find me if you ever have any questions uh it was great talking to y'all yeah and so for all the listeners again we really appreciate well it's good to see you again it's been a long time i mentioned before that i haven't seen you since you were a captain and we all have been kind of doing our own things but obviously we can still talk about the old days and everything back on silver team back in england on all those trips that we used to take so long ago that kind of formed the people that we were and had a lot of growing up to do at that time but i think uh some of it's out at least we still have a lot of growing up to do um (laughs) And, you know, we really appreciate you coming on to just talk about, and we went into some of the details about what the recruiting squadron is. And I think it's really important for a person like the commander of the 330 is to be transparent about, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. And we want to feel the pulse of like the guy on the ground and figure out what is actually going on, what you guys want, because we're not really, we don't want to sell something to you guys. We're not trying to sell a, some kind of product or anything like that. We're trying to actually talk to you guys and give an opportunity for um, a lifestyle that's going to make you a better person and give you the opportunities to not only, you know, become more self-sufficient and have the opportunity to travel, travel around the world and everything, but also just to level up and be around those people that are like-minded and are going to push you to be better than you ever thought you were going to be, you know, is always say push past your perceived limits because realistically, whenever I joined the military, I had no idea that I was going to be doing any of the stuff that I'm doing now or did before. It's a huge opportunity that you guys um, have in front of you. And we want to give you guys and show you guys that to make sure that you know that there's something else out there. You don't have to follow the status quo of whatever your family did or anything. There's always things you make your own life and you make your own path. Um, you don't even have to follow any of the things that we did. We're just giving you opportunities and figuring out which one would be the right thing for you. So I think that's super important to just go over the recruiting stuff and exactly where we're headed in the direction. Of course, if there's any suggestions or anything that you guys have as far as you know things that you'd like to see or events or anything like that, obviously we can pass it up to the recruiting squad and just let them know that kind of stuff um, and hit up your recruiter as soon as you can. If you're interested in joining the special operations community for the air force. And the most important thing I think of, of this is that we're not doing any of this for the badges, for any of the, the fame or awards or any of that kind of stuff. We do it for the guy that's sitting next to us and they've been sitting next to us since we started not only in basic training on the gunnel and the helicopter and every other time that we've been with our teammates, because those are the things that are really going to matter. 
at the end of the day, when we look back on our life, it's the people that we've affected and the way that we've impacted them and the way that they remember us is what's going to count. Nothing else. So make the most out of it and make sure you go hit up your recruiter. And, you know, also thank you for sharing all the stories with us. It's really important to remember that you have to get out of your own head and think about the team all the time. So again, thank you guys for listening. If you guys have any questions at all ever, you guys can always hit us up at info at onesready.com and make sure you check out our Instagram and then all the recruiters that are around the country and around the globe for special warfare. Make sure you hit up your nearest one. And that was airforce.com and afsw.com, correct? Yep, afsw.com. All right. So make sure you hit up those websites and we'll be here if you guys have any questions, all right? You guys go out there and reach breath. Let it. Let it. Thanks, guys. Take care.